Welcome back, everybody, to ContiCast, episode 9. How are you, Anthony? Uh, I'm doing fantastic today. How about you? I, had a, I actually had a presentation just now. Nice. How did it go? It was good. It was, it, it was, it was solid. Good. I'm, I'm happy. The first, the first snowfall is coming. I know. I woke up this morning, rolled out yeah. of bed, and I was like, oh, man, I hope these flurries carry over to Saturday and we see some, see some flurries as we're walking into Conti to see uh, Boston College take on Providence College. Oh, yeah, that's, that's on Two Saturday. Two juggernauts. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But did you see, um, just real quickly, uh, any of the Devils' uh, Canucks game last night? No, I just saw the photos that they took of the Hughes brothers. That was, that was, that was solid. That's, as an American hockey fan, that's, that's something special. But anyways, um, we're going to get into some women's hockey action because the past two episodes we've had guests on from the men's team, so we've been focusing on that. We're going to give some attention to the women's hockey. Brennan, what do we got? So going way back a couple weeks ago, uh, they beat BU 5-3 to three in the Battle of Com Ave. Um, Katie Pine had a sick goal that was all over Sports Center and stuff like that. Anthony, how, how would you what, – what verbiage would you use to describe that goal? No, that, that was one of the best goals I've ever seen. I've never seen really some, such a strong backhander. Yeah, like, yeah. She was right on the goal line and just roofed it right past – I'm not sure who the goalie was, but it was phenomenal. Yeah. Next, we had uh, the women play Northeastern. They lost 3-1 in Gloucester, Mass. On, it was the 400th anniversary of the city of Gloucester. Yeah, I finally found out what the what the deal was with that game. Okay, yeah, because I was like, why would they play it in Gloucester? That seems interesting. That's that's why it was the mayor like made a request for like hockey to be played in Gloucester. That's pretty cool. That's, and I'm like, that's cool. Shout out to the people of Gloucester. Yeah, shout out to the years. city of Gloucester. <laughs> 400 years. That's pretty awesome. 1623. Shout out to them. Yeah, but then the the next week they beat Providence five one. That was at Conti, and then just recently on. This past Saturday, uh, BC beat UConn in a in a shootout in Source, Connecticut. So that was a wonderful finish. I don't know if you caught any of the end of that game when it was live. Great, well, great. What finish. happened? It was just one of those like really clean back and forth shootouts. And obviously, like playing in that new arena um, is a cool thing for any team, even though it's a little small. Um, it's cool. So I think that that was it was an electric moment for the team, and especially when they've struggled in shootouts earlier in the season. Uh, something like yeah, this. that one against Holy Cross. Yeah, they yeah. yeah so this is very, um, a redeemable moment for this team. So that was great to see. Yeah, and some other news on on women's hockey in the area. For those of you who don't know, the PWHL was just established. Um, and that's gonna be, that's gonna be with six teams. Um, it let's was get a, our, let's get a little round of applause for that. Great yeah, job. Yeah, round of applause. Uh, it was established this year. The teams will be Toronto, Ottawa. Boston, New York, Montreal, and Minnesota. So really big hockey hotbeds there. It's good to see. The teams currently do not have names. So they are they are they all remain ambiguous for now. But however, the hometown Boston team will play at the Sangha Center in Lowell. That'll be their home rink. And what's interesting about that is four BC women's hockey alums were named to the train camp roster. Brennan, who are those people? We had Abby Levy uh, for New York, Alex Carpenter for New York, um, Callie Flanagan for Toronto, and Megan Keller for Boston. So congrats to all of those players. Um, obviously, I'm sure people in the podcast have heard us reflect on Abby Levy and how incredible her time was at BC. Anthony and I were both incredible fans of her game. She's a about as talented as a goaltender I've, I've ever seen, so really props to her. 
Yeah, it's, it's what also amazed me about her is that she was just as tall as the goalies on the men's team. Yeah, she she was not taller, and her mobility was super impressive. And I, I gotta say, she was, she was a wonderful player. Yeah, it seems like just yesterday she was sitting up for us, but that's neither here nor there. She will be playing in the pros now, so that's fantastic. Uh, on a similar note, the women's bean pot final, like we said before, the forty fifth annual tournament final will be held at TD Garden this year. So tickets are on sale now for the general public. That game will take place in late January. I'm not sure entirely what the date is on that, but I think it's January 23rd. I think around then, yeah, yeah. I think so. And then one other thing that I noticed was just around the women's team in general is just kind of what we predicted at the beginning of the season with with all the with all the point leaders. They're really really in line with what we were thinking. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Smigliani, Tabor, Newhook, very much carrying that offensive load. Um, but also, we've had some, some, some new blood, um, which yeah, I yeah. think has been really impressive. And I think also Katie Pine is on pace to uh, crush her point total from last year. She had 17 last year. She already has 11. And we're not even really halfway through. Um, so you know, that's awesome. We love to see that too. Yeah. However, I noticed that the women don't play as many games as the men do. Yeah, I, I I noticed that too. They it's I think there's a reason. Well, I know part of the reason for it is that there's only ten teams in the women's hockey East. Yeah, I know that's part of it in terms of BC at least. But beyond that, I'm not sure. Yeah, but beyond that, I mean, someone like Smigliani just comes in with like all that experience from Colgate. We didn't really give enough credit to her at the at the beginning, but she's basically leading the team in points now. So that's fantastic to see. And the way that she'll guide that kind of rookie class coming in the next couple of years. Cause I noticed on, on the good old elite prospects that we have loads of loads of talent coming in. So that's great. Yeah. Um, also, uh, bean pot news tickets for the 71st men's bean pot are on sale to the general public as we speak and actually go on sale for students, December 12th. Get ready, get ready to buy your tickets. We have BU in the first round. It's going to be, an amazing game. Um, Anthony and I will be there in some capacity, either as fans or covering the game for WZBC or Eagles Daily, respectively. But we will be there, of course, to see uh, the Battle of Com Ave go to uh, Causeway. Also, one thing that I noticed on the on the little disclaimer there was that it will be on sale for the Gold Pass members. Interesting. That's new. Is that a new thing? I think so. I think they're probably trying to encourage loyal fans to go to the game um so but you know maybe that's especially the last couple of years with the fans coming out of the woodwork exactly yeah the fan like i said the teams <laughs> maybe they had a little bit of a tumultuous go um to say the least some of the time then we got to the bean pot the fans were just they just come out of the woodwork we're like who are these people they're, they're uh, I've, here. Never, I've never seen them at a game but here they're here at td now yeah so that's fantastic but it should be packed um, oh yeah, because I mean, last year we had the struggle of playing Harvard, where it's like they have no fans. Yeah, it was like it was almost a horseshoe. Yeah, it's like fans. a horseshoe, and it's supposed to be the two opposing sections of fans. They're supposed to be next to each other, which is really tumultuous and sort of dangerous, especially when you have BCBU. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but this year we'll have you know two packed student sections. I would assume. I'm sure you would assume the same. Yeah, it'll just be a, a massive of maroon and scarlet. Yeah, that's Flashing. awesome. I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah, but anyways, we're going to head into a, a little bit of a commitment update because we haven't been able to kind of say anything about that the past couple of episodes. We're 
tied up with the guests. But anyways, Justin Slovey, uh, for those of you who don't know, he is an 04 forward out of New Jersey. He is no longer a BC commit, actually. Uh, he plays in Muskegon now, Muskegon Lumberjacks in the USHL. Uh, he is now committed to Harvard. That sucks, but we wish him the best of luck there. Yeah, one thing to add is Harvard has an incredible upcoming class of players. Yeah. So they have so many players that I don't know if they they're all gonna stay. I know that's a little weird because like there are only so that, many roster spots, you know. Yeah, I believe that BC and Harvard are the two teams in the NCAA that have the most um, NHL draft picks each. So I thought it was BU. No, I think BU's third, but I think I believe Harvard and BC are one and two. They showed a stat at the beginning of the year. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, uh, anyways, who else helps we got, Brendan? Um, Skahan, which we've been talking about for God knows how long with all the speculation, but Skahan is officially coming to BC. Uh, he's an 06 defenseman out of California, but he played his minors in Minnesota and now plays for the NTDP. Um, huge, huge commitment in my mind. Uh, he flipped from Wisconsin. <laughs> right as Wisconsin was doing really well, ironically enough. Um, but yeah, yeah. Skay is, I'm super excited. I think that he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Anthony, what are your thoughts on Skay? Oh, I agree. He's, he's something, he's someone that, um, he really has that, uh, defensive game locked down at the moment. He's just really trying to improve his, his ozone at this point. Once again, the 200 foot game, but like you said, Brendan, he's, he's someone that I see going late first round at least. Yeah. Or, or at the very latest, actually. Um, but no, he's going to be a great piece. Um, he'll probably fill in for Jacob Bankston. Depends on if he takes advantage of that last year of eligibility. I think he will. Yeah. I, that a lot of speculation is saying that he will, but who yeah, knows. Yeah. But anyways, another commit we got pretty recently is, is Dean Letourneau. Uh, he's an 06 forward also, um, out of Ontario this time. Another Canadian. Uh, he plays. He currently plays his junior hockey at St. Andrews, which I didn't know up until pretty recently. But it's like a it's a, like a college prep school in Ontario, so it's it's almost the Canadian version of of Shattuck St. Mary's. <laughs> but yeah, um, he's six six, Brendan. He's huge, six six, and he plays center. Um, okay. He's averaging two points a game. Wow! In, in whatever league they're in. Good uh, for him. Holy crap! I don't know if you saw the highlights between. Um, uh, St. Andrews, his team, and Shattuck St. Mary's. No, I didn't. But it was, it was. It's almost like the the Canadian version of Shattuck's, like I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was funny. Cool. But no, he was just he just ripping one timers, piss missiles, as yeah. we like to call them yeah. recently. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, and also, um, Hagens was selected. James Hagens was selected for the U twenty World Junior preliminary roster, which is really, really impressive. So, Anthony, tell us about why that's so impressive. Uh, well, I mean, he's he's just a young player at this point. I mean, he's still early in his development. He's he's currently a part of the under eighteen team for the NTDP, um, but he's he's a late birthday also. So he's technically not draft eligible until two thousand twenty five, if I'm not mistaken. But this is but this is great for his for his development. Really, I saw some. Uh, preliminary roster prediction where he was on the first line with Cutter and Snuggerud. Wow. Can you imagine that line? Holy yeah, we'll, we'll get to some more yeah. of the players later, but Hagen's man. That's that's and great his brother. Shout out shout out his brother who just won um 
oh. USHL player. Defenseman of, of the week, right? Uh, no, of the month. Oh, defenseman of the month. Uh, defenseman Perfect. of the month, yeah. yeah. So congrats to Michael, right? Michael, yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's great. Speaking of the World Juniors, though, on a similar note, six other BC players were selected. Who are those players, Brendan? Uh, seven, not six. We have eight total. Um, oh, Cutter, Gautier, Pardon me. Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, Gabe Perot, Jacob Fowler, Aaron Menidian, and Drew Fortescue. No surprises there. Um, I really just like my jaw dropped when I saw the amount of BC names in the roster, uh, preliminary roster, because like, think about it. That that's like a third of the team, you know, a third of the team is Boston college players. And I think that that shows, you know, a certain level of commitment to talent acquisition and, you know, bringing in those world caliber players when it comes to, uh, Greg Brown's tenure as a coach and I guess by essence a recruiter at BC yeah I mean like you said uh, a lot of those players have have came out of the NTDP um, and they're all just they're all super used to playing together super used to playing international hockey and that's really impressive for a school uh, like BC it's not often that you get um, so many players out of one school usually it's fairly even mix but this year I hope they do excellent overseas in Sweden. Hope we get a win. Yeah. Also, the Canadian roster, Bedard, Infantili, and Zach Benson are absent this year from there, which I was shocked yeah. shocked with. And that, that could be a very different, different tournament without those guys. But anyways, this weekend, we played Northeastern in a two-game set, mm. home and home. Brendan, what went on in those games? So the first game it was a loss, 5-3. to three. Um, we'll get to immediate overall thoughts in a second, but in terms of the breakdown, Northeastern scored three goals in the first, Doyle, Lund, and Stoddiker. Um, and then BC scored three goals in the second, Posma, Leonard, Powell, and then Lund scored two in the third, um, to kind of end that, which, um, yeah. So I think that my immediate reaction is, is Cam Lund goaded? That's what I wrote on the page because... Yeah. Uh, for those of you who know me and know my my um, history as a hockey fan, I have had uh, you know an interesting run in with Cam Lund. We'll say that at the very least. But he um, he is he is goaded. I think I I think that he is an incredible player. And wow, hat trick at Conti, Anthony. What 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 is your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean he's just he's just a phenomenal player overall. Um. He's big, for one, and he can shoot, number two. And I think that the more he develops um, into a into a 200-foot player, he's going to be excellent at the next level. And I was actually disappointed that he wasn't selected to the prelim roster for, for the USA because he's, he's very talented. I think there's some guys on there that he could be on over personally. I agree. But... Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know what the discrepancy is there, but no, he had a great game. I mean... I think the Sharks got a good good pick there. I, like I said, I always give credit where credit is due on the show. Yeah. And that's that. But I mean, overall I think that uh as a team, as as a team, BC plays especially the USA line in that game, plays very aggressive. Like very aggressive, like they're up the ice almost immediately. Which is a blessing and a curse. So Oh yeah. I mean, 
personally, like that is great. The level of aggression is is good, but at the same time, when you're kind of camping at the blue line, there is there is some level of sloppiness that comes with that. Yeah, there's one time where like, um, I think Smith was critiqued in the media, and he was afterwards, and he was prior to the breakout, he was already like almost all the way up the ice, waiting for a pass. I'm like. That's crazy. Um, that I mean, that's obviously good most of the time, but sometimes you can get caught out, as we did a few yeah, times. Yeah, I mean, game. one player that I noticed in away teams this year that did that and you know got messed up for it was Sutter Muzadi for RPI. He would always camp at the blue line and slam his stick, getting calling for a pass, and he um, he you know paid for it a few times with turnovers and stuff like that. Right. I mean, in that game, there was one time. Well, I actually liked that we came back, obviously. I mean, we dropped three goals in the first period, got three goals back in the second. But then kind of the turning point was was Gustafson there, kind of pinching a little high on whoever was breaking the puck out. And that's just one of those things that's fixable. I mean, it's one of those things where it's situational awareness. Um, in that situation, you would obviously want to kind of play a little bit more passively, but I'm. But it's a good problem to have because I'm glad that we play aggressively rather than passively. True. Yeah. Because I would agree. that's a way easier problem to fix. However, Saturday, way different story. Brendan, yeah. what happened in that one? I was at that game, um, broadcasting for WZBC. Yeah, for any of you that don't have ESPN Plus, you got to listen to the broadcasts on WZBC. It's free. Post the link on Twitter. And you get to hear my lovely voice. Um, But anyway, uh, we were at Matthews. We got there two hours early because we thought the game was at 7, but it was at 8. They changed the time, apparently, to make it more of a primetime game, which, you know, I get. Um, Smith and Perot were really, really phenomenal that game. Um, It was a chippy game overall. Uh, Northeastern had a goal in the first, made it 1-0. The second period, Gabe Perot had kind of a breakout goal. Um, and then Smith and Gustafson scored in the third, ended at a three, one. Um, it was a really chippy game overall, um, ending in a little bit of a brief brawl at the end, which, you know, if you fans think back to last year, the game at Conti, do you remember that brawl, Anthony? That was wild. Um, no, I don't. That was the one cutter got his second suspension for, um, Oh, okay. Was the end. They they don't televise that. So I I missed that on Saturday. Oh, you didn't see it? No, no, it was it was a brawl. Um, the net got pushed back off of um, off of Fowler. Fowler kind of moved out of there, and Cam Lund and Jack Dorrington kind of went after some BC players. But um, you know, it's expected because it's sort of a rivalry game. But oh, that is a rivalry game. Um, but yeah, really chippy game overall. Perhaps the biggest thing. Um, in that game was a biggest thing that I noticed was a massive hit that Cam Lund laid on Cutter and open ice. There was no, no, they were nowhere near the puck. It was a really bad missed interference call and Cutter definitely leaned into it a little bit and was expecting it and kind of went at it himself. And that's probably why they let it a no call, but you know, two massive players like that colliding was quite a sight. Uh, the crowd went wild, wanted a penalty on Cutter, but no clue about that one. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I, I think the other, the other really interesting takeaway of that game was the stuff that was being thrown on the ice, uh, like perpetually, 
um, the Northeastern Matthews PA announcer had to come on a few times and say, fans, please do not throw anything on the ice. It will be a bench minor on the home team. And <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and I actually ran into Colby yesterday and I was talking to Colby about that. And Colby was like, the players were kind of confused because they didn't really know what was being thrown on the ice, but they just saw that it was. And the game kind of stopped a couple of times for the stuff to be retrieved from the ice. But like, you know, Colby, who was on the ice, had no idea what was going on. Then, you know, also I have no idea what was actually happening, but a good game. And I think back to form, which was important. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the physicality in that one, I remember there was a couple of times where Leonard just levels a few people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there was one by, uh, behind the net where he uh, he hit a guy, and then I think Smith and Pro were in on point blank range. <laughs> oh, and they called the injury timeout. Yeah, that was. Well, they, they called it almost as if they were blowing a whistle dead for like a puck frozen or something like that. But they weren't. They called it dead just for an injury, and it was like, you know, I obviously understand the precaution to be taken. However, he came back out onto the ice at like five minutes after. I agree. So yeah, was he? You know, I don't know, whatever. But I mean, that game was. I enjoyed that game. Oh, I did too. It, it's 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 electric. I enjoyed both Matthews. games. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll get down to arena reviews a little bit later. But oh, yeah, are we going to talk about the the two sellies, one from Northeastern, one from BC? Yeah. So so the the celebration. Those are awesome. So Cam Cam Lund in the first game. Um, after his hat trick, he did the shushing celebration. Yeah, he did the shushing celebration to the BC fans. But in an even better rendition of that, Anthony, what happened? Uh, I like Perot's celebration after he scored. Just does the I can't hear you celebration. Yeah, right up to the doghouse, the, the dog Northeastern yeah. fans. I loved that. That was incredible. Yeah, you got to give credit where credit is due with the sellies there. And hopefully there's going to be some good ones as we as we continue the season. Especially when we get on to this gargantuan game against Providence, which I keep keep hinting at. We'll get to it at some point. But yeah. But anyways, I mean, we have a brand new segment right now. Yes, we do. Uh, it is called Rankings. So today we are going to be ranking the goalies in the Hockey East. In the future, we might rank other things. It could be anywhere from moments of previous games, like previous BC players, whatever it may be. Brendan, let's start with your list. So I'm gonna start um, eleven to one. Oh, you're going you're going bottom to top. I'm going bottom to top. Okay. So I will preface this by saying that there is not a bad goalie in the hockey east. There are, yeah, they are all above average goalies, and I can like confidently say that that all of these goalies are above average. And so I'll just get into it. So at eleven, I have Hyder for UConn. Uh, at 10, I have Foreman slash uh, Muselik, who they both split time for UNH. Yeah, disclaimer first. We're going to do the goalies that split time as one entity. Yes, yeah, which I think is fair. Um, at 9, I have Karan for BU. At 8, I have Whitehead for Northeastern. At 7, I have Osman for Maine, which I know is a hot take. Um, I think Osman's good, but I, I think there's better. Um, at uh, 6, I have Carrier. Um, which I don't know if that's how you say it, um, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, he's the Vermont goalie, um, who has phenomenal stats. Um, at five, I have Hrabel for UMass Amherst Four, I have Welsh slash Pavisic, which are both of the UMass Lowell goalies and the top three, I have Ola slash Borgiel for Merrimack two. I have Fowler 
And number one, I have Phil Swedback for Providence, who we will get the pleasure of seeing uh, this upcoming weekend. Yeah, anyways, with my list, um, I didn't. the problem with this one is I didn't know it, a lot about Carrier, so I put him last. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely higher than last. What, what were his stats like? Uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what they were, but they were good. They were in like the top like eight of goalies in the NCAA. Oh, that? Yeah. Whoa, okay. yeah, yeah. His, he's very good. Yeah, I have Carrier last, but that's that's with an asterisk. I didn't I, I didn't do enough research on him. Uh, Karan, I have at ten. Um, Whitehead nine. I have Hyder at eight. Olas and Borgiel at seven. Muzalik and Foreman at six. Osman at five. Haraybal at four. Welsh and Pavisic at three. And then Fowler and Svedback are two and one respectively. Um, any general thoughts with with our with my list, Brendan? I like it. I think that Svedback and Fowler, in my mind, are the two best goalies in the hockey East. And I think if you if you want to yeah. switch that around and put Fowler one, I'm cool with that. Um, and obviously, I love Fowler. Fowler is no. I put, I put Fowler at two only because he's young and still has a little bit to prove. Svedback has some years under his belt. Yeah, like if if Fowler was as old as Svedback is right now, he'd be number one. But he just isn't yet. You yeah, know? and that's fair. Um, but anyways, with your list, I don't know about um, I don't know about Olas and Borgiel that high. That's crazy. Don't forget how incredible Olas is, though. And like Borgiel, he offers a little bit different. But Olas is six eight, and you know, I look back to that game in the hockey East tournament where we played them at Lawler. He. You know, he had like, that, that, yeah, that's why I was just saying like some some bias there with how he dominated that. I mean, how many saves did he? He had like thirty something saves. In a oh, shutout. he had he had more than thirty. It was like probably more than forty. Yeah, I mean, because the he, game he had went, an incredible game, and I just the think game went to like double overtime. Oh, I thought it went to triple overtime. No, don't, no, we double? lost in double. Yeah. Oh. But anyways, with my three, I have Welsh and Pavisic. The reason why is because. If you look at the games that like Lowell's played, they just don't make any mistakes. No, they don't. And like that was why those that sweep was so difficult um, for BC. Yeah. Because Lowell is an incredible defensive team. And when they're backed up by both of those goalies who, in my mind, are interchangeable in their level of talent, like it's hard. It's hard to score. So, I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. It's the other teams don't seem to score many goals against Lowell, but that's a byproduct of this. I will say, though, BU put up five on Lowell, which I think oh, is they the did? most they've, they've Lowell's given up all year. I was going to say, I can't remember Lowell not allowing more than two or three goals Yeah, in any game. That they I, think, I think BU is the only team that's put up that many on them. Yeah, but like someone like Karan, I mean, he's low because... He's relatively unproven. He, well, for one, he his goals against average isn't the best. And number two, he's he sh- at this point, as an upperclassman, he should probably be like more established at this point. I mean, because he he played at Brown for a few years, and obviously the competition's not the same as it is playing for BU. But like, yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't you. think about that. But transitioning to another segment here, uh, the previous two weeks, as we mentioned before, uh, BC played Harvard. Uh, I think that was a couple weeks ago. We are going to do a uh, arena review for the Bright Landry Hockey Center in uh, Cambridge. Actually, is it in Cambridge? 
I don't know. Sort of. It's like close to, but it's over the bridge, so it's not on the same side of the river that Harvard is. Yep. Yeah. Prior to the game against Harvard, I was anticipating having going across the river. Yeah. To, no. to Cambridge, but I was surprised to find out that it's right next to the Harvard football stadium. Yes. The Coliseum. Oh, in a in Austin, maybe. I think that's what that is maybe yeah, yeah yeah by the way coliseum any thoughts on that <laughs> anthony's uh, laughing because we talked about this that that place i know it's historic but holy cow it's really run down like there's a difference between it's like decrepit like... it's like it's like i wouldn't even call it historic like you know what i mean yeah there's a difference between historic and functional <laughs> that's not functional at all it's i not. mean maybe it is maybe some it is. degree because like at the end of the day like you know but I even compare it to like Yale's football stadium and obviously like the Harvard Yale football rivalry. And Yale's is way nicer than that. I've seen it a couple of times. So like kind of interesting to compare. We're way off topic from hockey, but yes. That's okay. <laughs> Going right back into the five criteria. Starting off with the the billion itself. As we said, it's old but historic. I mean, it's been the home of Harvard hockey for almost seventy years. Wow. There's on the wall they have all kinds of plaques and uh, banners and photos of previous teams, and I was looking at it, I'm like, man, this is this is awesome. But the roof is very low. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, um, I noticed that. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the puck hit the ceiling a couple times. Seriously. Uh, in the season. Very similar to Lawler uh, in North Andover for Merrimack. Not my biggest – Not I'm not the biggest fan of that one. But, no, I'm not either. Uh, the food was – the food was marginal. Ah. Uh, there's only one one line, and it, it had the classic stuff. Uh, nothing to write home about, though. The atmosphere um, was different because I think it was a 1 p.m. game on a Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it's kind of hard for attendance in a game like that anyway. But So apart from the arena being for being 40% BC fans, it was a very like mundane vibe. Uh, it wasn't that great. Uh, once again, the sound system PA was very quiet that's a theme <laughs> not not engaging i could i could barely hear like even for a small arena and then probably the most like um polarizing thing on this list the student section yeah and i disagree with you about counting it in the total but we'll we'll get to that in a second yeah i said one out of ten with an asterisk because while they did have like a labeled um section that said like harvard student section on the wall I didn't see a single student that showed up. Yeah, no, there were no students there. I don't know if there. I don't know if there were. It's, it was but more I, like. But I think like including it in the total is a little harsh because it was Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it was Thanksgiving weekend, so I can't completely judge it. But but one thing I will say in in contrary to that is the game at Princeton uh, that happened a few days earlier, which is another Ivy League school, small barn packed to the brim with students on thanksgiving week so yeah exactly maybe maybe well, that's also in the bean pot i mean yeah th that was the best harvard team there's been in like years. a long time yeah and they were beating us and they weren't that excited there was like 20 like, people there for harvard when they they were only partially excited i'm like come on yeah but anyways the crowd engagement was good though yeah i would agree um there was no special like songs or traditions but the crowd stayed the whole game gotta give credit where credit is due and there was actually a cool like puck stacking game yeah. game on the on the on the home bench during the second intermission. There's this one guy who was like stacking like literally 
pucks after pucks after pucks on top of each other. <laughs> I don't know. That that was really cool. Overall, it's about a four out of ten. Not the greatest. However, Northeastern, that's a different story. Yes, Northeastern is very much a different story. Matthews for, Arena, for, for those of you who don't know. Um, so I'll get into my five criteria, which are the same, obviously, but I'll explain them. So building, I gave it a 6 out of 10 because it depends on how you look at it. It is, it is historic, uh, but it's really old. And the entire uh, opposite upper balcony section where the doghouse sits, the opposite of it, yeah. is vacant because of structural incapacities and risk that could exist if they had people sitting up there. So that was kind of like a head scratcher. So I was like, okay. But I'll give it a 6 out of 10. In terms of the food, they have the basic stuff. Um Everything smells like butter and grease in there. Maybe not even just because of the food. Everything smells like that. I still got old old popcorn sitting there from when the Celtics played there. Yeah, probably back in the forties. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, um I would give it a four out of ten. The atmosphere is a nine out of ten. It's electric in yeah. there. The flashing red lights and it's awesome. Uh every time the the huskies come back out, they're like Welcome back to the ice, your Northeastern Huskies. And I'm like, wow, like it's good because I'm not used to like how great of, of a PA that is. Um, People talk about the PA is like not that important, but it it's is. It's super important. I think it's crucial. It is. Um, but yeah, great music, uh, a lot of great EDM that I added to my playlist that I didn't have on there. Oh, there's some good ones. Um, they handed out light up um, little shaky things that said "Let's Go Huskies" on them to the fans. The oh, students. I saw those. I, I grabbed one myself. Um, I'm gonna cross out that, Huskies. That, that improves the crowd engagement. Great. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And student section, ten out of ten. There's no other grade to give this. The Northeastern students yep. in the doghouse are phenomenal. Their civ chant goes on for literally five minutes. It's incredible. Like they have like a whole like routine, oh, like dance and movements. It's awesome. They they do a really really good job. I think if I remember correctly, they do their civ chant. It's almost like coordinated with like the hay song. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You suck. Yeah, that's their big. It's awesome. They do a really good job. Um, but quickly, like student sections. I think they're at the top with UNH. UNH is better. I will say UNH, UNH is better. UNH has like a wall of students. It's incredible. Yeah. And they're so into it. You know, also, I'm going to give a shout-out to a Big Ten team, um, Penn State. Oh, man. Their student section is insane. It's probably it's probably the fastest-growing program in the country. Oh, it is. And, like, yeah. uh, we talked For a good to, reason, too. Yeah. And yeah. Penn State is becoming a really – is becoming a hockey school in addition to all their other really good sports. But they yeah. are becoming a hockey school, and it's, it's good to see because their hockey program is wonderful. So, anyway um, – Back to crowd engagement, crowd engagement. Uh, it was really great overall. Um, but there were a lot of away fans like BC fans. So I can't tell Hmm. how much the engagement actually came from Northeastern fans. Um, so I'll give it an eight out of 10 and overall 7.4, which is, you know, a really good grade for an arena overall. Do they have any like, like special songs that they would sing besides the sim chant or like, no, I don't think so. Did anybody come out like during the intermission? No. No? No, they kind of oh. just like Zamboni the ice quick. No, they had a couple of youth games. But like How are those? Good because one of them was like really young, like eight year olds, and then the other one was like thirteen, fourteen year olds. So they were like decent enough that it was not painful to watch. So 
It's a bit like the the Bruins intermission. They have the the five minutes of fame or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And those just sometimes you see some good hockey. Yeah, they're they're the the thirteen U game was like pretty. That was pretty good. It well, was a good I, game. I went to the Bruins game a couple of weeks ago, and there's this chick who was just craving kids, <laughs> like. And she she went down and did like a little heartbreaker silly afterwards. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow! Um, but anyway, should we get on to, to the Providence preview? Yeah. So we only have one game, um, this weekend. It's on Saturday. Uh, the theme is holiday on the heights. Apparently, four thirty, right? Uh oh my god, it's a day game. You're right. It totally is. Well, it's a day game, but it's gonna be dark outside. Oh, that really just crushed my mood. <laughs> no. I like night games. But no, Holiday on the Heights, I mean, they're going to have a toy drive there. So for those listeners who have unused toys that you want to bring by, absolutely do that. Yeah. Support a great cause. Support the program and support uh, those in need this holiday season. But yeah, any any preliminary thoughts for that one? I mean, we're going to see Svedback, and we're going to see whether or not the accusations of cheating are true. Um, for the listeners who don't know. Um, Svedback has been accused in recent games, specifically the Arizona State series. He's net knocking. <laughs> of net knocking. Um, or backing into the net intentionally and knocking it off to stop the play. Providence and Svedback himself claim that those are unfounded claims. But I don't know. He's a big dude, though. He's a big dude. So I'll give him credit. Yeah. But I will say in the second Arizona State game that I watched, there was a very intentional net knock in my mind. It yeah. looked it looked very clear. But, again, you know, I know some people are hearkening it back to uh, the Olympics in Sochi um, when a USA goaltender did the same thing. Um, Who was that? I don't recall, but I know it was the USA Jonathan goaltender. Quick? It must have been. Yeah, it must have I been. I remember that. Yeah, uh, I think I do. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Also, while we're on the su- subject, Something I think would be hilarious, I've talked to you about this before, is that players who get a penalty that goes into another period have to sit in the penalty box during the intermission. Can you imagine how hilarious that would be if, like, Cam Lund has to sit in the penalty box just, like, by himself for, like, 15 minutes while the rest of his team's in the locker room? I just think that's hilarious, and I don't know why. I think think Colby got one of those trickle-down penalties the other game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be funny. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> but Providence also has uh, uh, Berard. I'm forgetting his first name. But he's Bra- oh, yes, he's yeah. Brady Berard's brother, younger brother. He's going to be incredible to watch. I mean, he's had a great year thus far. But anyways, it's going to be a great game on Saturday. Um, we're going to come in with an episode next time, hopefully another guest. We'll see what happens. We might even be on another podcast. Right, Brendan? Yes. Uh, we will most likely be on the Locked on BC podcast. Um, we'll be a guest on there. Courtesy of AJ Black, who is, you know, about as much of a BC media journalist as he's you the, can possibly BC, be. He's a BC media guru. <laughs> um, AJ Black, for, you, for those of you who don't know, um, does the 24-7 sports um, BC interruption for um, Boston College sports. And he's been really busy with the transfer portal stuff recently. Um, but yeah, stay tuned for when we make our guest appearance on there. Yeah. Until then, take care, everybody.